Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome back to the Jeff Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed and I'm joined as always by my dear friend. Mike Luciana. Mike, how you doing, man? What's going on? I'm feeling good because I've graduated from my man to my dear friend. So that I'm, I got to feel good about that, man. <laughs> yeah, I just you know, I want to change it up a little bit this time. You know, I'm feeling good this morning because I woke up and I saw, you know, what honestly might be the most badass video that I've ever seen with Michael Clemens. Uh, I just I, I don't know what to say about that, dude. He's going to be a star on Hard Knocks when that happens but yeah we got a great show planned uh we got you know talking plenty of denzel mim stuff of course the recent news that came out today uh that the jets plan to waive denzel mims we'll get into that uh quinn and williams stuff that has happened since the last time we recorded which was honestly about five six days ago now but quinn and williams was extended we're talking position battles we're talking maybe some overrated underrated jets we'll get into it but first mike you got some promo stuff to deal with yes from our good friends over at DraftKings. So Jets fans, have you signed up for DraftKings yet? Because if you're a new user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just these three simple steps right here. All you got to do is create an account, make a deposit, and then wager $5 on any sport. doesn't matter if your first wager wins or loses. You'll still receive $150 in bonus bets. All you got to do is use the code FSBETS, that is F-S-B-E-T-S, when you sign up. Using the code not only gets you the bonus, but it supports the podcast. So if you consider signing up for DraftKings, use that code FSBETS, F-S-B-E-T-S, to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21 and over and physically present present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description on YouTube for the full terms of the offer. And before we jump into all that stuff, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it may be that you get your podcasts. We are on all those spots. We're also on YouTube at the Jet Press. That's where the whole back catalog of episodes are. That's where the YouTube shorts are, the interviews. All of it's in that one big mega epicenter. So let's jump right into the craziness this week, starting with a move that was a matter of when, not if. And it finally officially happened after the writing had been on the wall for, honestly, close to a year. Denzel Mims finally is going to have his Jets career cut short. Brian Costello, among many others, now reporting that the Jets are going to try to trade Denzel Mims. And if they do not find a trade partner, he will be waived, and that is the end of Denzel Mims. And it's a little bit melancholy. because Number one, it's just melancholy if you're from a – 
want to maximize just the amount of value you could have got from him because they had opportunities to trade him in the past for probably more than they're going to get now in any hypothetical deal. Never really did it. So now it's just maybe they'll get a conditional pick in the seventh from a team that doesn't want him to go to waivers. That's pretty much all you're going to end up getting for Denzel Mims. But I'm trying to remember just looking back to when Denzel Mims got drafted because it's always like hindsight's always 2020 with the draft. Like, the, I mean, Zach Wilson has kind of been the the biggest picture of that where suddenly everybody knew Zach Wilson would be bad except for the Jets. But I remember thinking back to when the Jets got him at the end of the second round, I believe after a trade up. And I remember everybody to a man was saying this is one of the best steals in the entire draft because he was like a fringe first round guy. He was getting tons of first round hype. And then all of a sudden he just turned to dust. He was no more which is just because he seemed like he checked all the boxes. He was big. He was strong. He made a ton of really good highlight reel catches at Baylor, and he ran a really good 40-yard dash because his big question was his speed. And then that all gets solved. So you're like, oh, Denzel Mims is just going to come right in and be an immediate force for the New York Jets. And then what do you know? The exact opposite happens, and it's just another second-round Jets wide receiver to throw on the pile. It's Stephen Hill. You know what? Stephen Hill, I don't even want to slander him. You look at the numbers, Stephen Hill was probably a better pick than Denzel Mims, which is really saying something. Dude, I literally, I don't know if you saw my Twitter. I tweet, I tweeted that exact thing out earlier today. I said, it's crazy that Stephen Hill had a more successful Jets career than Denzel Mims. That is wild. But yeah, you're, I mean, you're totally right about the second round wide receiver bust. The Jets have now drafted four wide receivers in the second round in the last 11 years. None of them have made it to the end of their rookie contracts. That's for a second round pick. They've all been gone after three years. That's crazy. And a lot of them don't even stay in the league. They just play two years for the Jets and that's it. Stephen Hill never played another game for another team after the Jets. Devin Smith did have that weird resurgence with the Cowboys, but he didn't do anything of note after the Jets. Uh, We'll see what happens with Elijah Moore in in, in Cleveland. And, you know, unless Denzel Mims can really turn it around, I'm not sure he's going to have much of a career post Jets. But yeah, it's, it's really, it's discouraging because there was a lot of optimism around Mims, not only when the Jets drafted him, but even after that rookie season, because, I mean, it's easy to, forget, easy to forget, but when the Jets drafted Denzel Mims second round 2020, there was a lot of people who thought he was a first round prospect. And when Jets got him in the end of the second round, that was seen as like one of the steals of the draft. There was a huge deal when they got him, especially because the Jets traded down to get him. The, everyone wanted the Jets to, to draft Denzel Mims earlier in the second round. They traded down. Fans are like, oh, no, they're going to miss out on Mims. They still get Mims. Everyone's like, oh, Joe Douglas is this, you know, this great GM. We're not going to get into a Joe Douglas conversation. Kai and Denzel <laughs> Mims were. I know, dude. What a deal. Ashton Davis, what, is, what a steal, man. What a round. What a, what a, uh, what a, what a draft. Michael God, that's Price. just a graveyard. <laughs> it's bad. That 2020 class is bad. But, yeah, there was a ton of optimism. And, of course, you know, his, his career gets off to a rocky start. He missed a lot of training camp with a ham- hamstring injury. He missed the first, like, half of the season, uh, unfortunately. And, and unfortunately, he, you know, he kind of started behind the eight ball as a result. But he returns, he comes back, and he has a pretty strong finish to his rookie season. So much so that the assumption is going into his second year, into 2021, that he's going to be wide receiver too. That was the assumption that, they, you know, the Jets signed Corey Davis. They had Corey Davis. They drafted Elijah Moore. You had Jameson Crowder. But people really expected Mims to be wide receiver too. And then he was, you know, losing out snaps to Keelan Cole in the spring. And everyone's like, what's going on here? Uh, you know, unfortunately, he had that that battle with food poisoning. And then uh, he just kind of very quickly fell out of favor with the new coaching staff. And that was pretty much it. That was the last time, which was, you know, that, that 2021 offseason that Jets fans kind of had any kind of real optimism about Denzel Mims. Because since then, it's it's just been healthy scratch after healthy scratch, just kind of 
fighting for a roster spot at the back end of that roster. Uh, and like you said, this was a long time coming. He requested a trade last season or last uh, summer, I should say. Um, the Jets received offers for him, but the report at the time, I believe it was from Connor Hughes, was that the Jets were asking for a fourth round pitch. That which, you know, that is it's it's insane to think about. Even at the time, it seemed ridiculous. Now it seems even more ridiculous, especially because the fact is that they're probably not going to get anything for him. If they do get anything, maybe a seventh round, a conditional seventh, maybe a pick swap, whatever it's going to be. Either way, uh, you know, they probably should have taken those offers at the time. Regardless, this is probably a best case scenario for Mims because I didn't think he was going to be on the week one roster. It seemed unlikely uh, that that he was going to have that roster spot, even if the Jets carried six wide receivers. So it's at least good that he's going to get a chance for a fresh start because, you know, I, I see some people talking about this in chat. We can we can bring up one of these uh, these comments right here because it, it relates to what I'm talking about here. This is from Yemi Rotimi on YouTube. It says, sorry, man, fans love blaming the players for the lack of success. But truthfully, it sometimes uh, can be attributed to bad coaching. And I, I absolutely think that there's something to that. I absolutely think that coaching – played a role. I mean, his first couple of years or his first year in the NFL, he was playing with, with, you know, Adam Gase as, as his head coach, as his offensive play caller. He had really bad quarterback play with Sam Darnold. No doubt that his situation didn't help him. But at the same time, every time he was given an opportunity, he fell short. Yeah. I, I think that can't be overlooked. Uh, one of the, you know, the, the best things about Mims coming out of college was his hands, right? He was this, this dominant, you know, uh, jump ball receiver with fourth, you know, four, three, eight speed. He had all the physical tools, but for whatever reason, since his rookie season, he seemed checked out. He had issues with concentration drops. He had issues with route running. Uh, it seemed as though the coaching staff didn't trust him to run the offense. Like it seemed like it might've been a playbook issue as well. Uh, and so when you have all of that combined, I know it's easy to blame the 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 coaching staff and it's easy to blame the supporting cast and those definitely didn't help but Mims fell short because of Mims you know at the end of the day. Well one thing that I'll I'll at least back up I think what Yemi's trying to get at too is also that uh Robert Sala and Mike LaFour specifically did not do a good job maximizing Denzel Correct. Mims which I'll, there's two sides to that. Number one being well I do think that they kind of messed him up in that they were very insistent that he needs to learn every single receiving spot. For some, like they said, like, oh, he can't do, he's got to play X, he's got to play Z, he's got to move around a little bit, which it's jack of all trades, master of none. It's he could do a bunch of little things serviceably, and then what's his real role? He never really had a real role. I, I could see why, if you're a Denzel Mims supporter, that that would really kind of get you riled up. But like Justin alluded to, too, like, sometimes, like, I get the coach is supposed to get the most out of their players, sometimes players just aren't good. Like, are you really going to go and, you know, rip Bill Belichick who doesn't turn Bailey Zappi into a franchise quarterback? You know, some players just don't have, you know, just don't have the whatever, you know, the, the skills, the ability to put all the skills together to marry with what the coaching staff wants. I do think that he'll get another shot elsewhere. I don't think that it's going to be like a Stephen Hill thing where he just falls off the face of the earth and we have no proof of Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill even alive. Like we don't have any proof right now. I haven't seen a picture of Stephen Hill since he left the Jets. He could be. He could live next door to me, and I'd have no idea. I hope, I hope Stephen Hill's having a great life. I hope, I hope he is too, because <laughs> he, I remember that first game with the Jets. I'm like, oh, Stephen Hill's yeah. going to be an amazing player, and then uh, he was not. So, Hill might have done more in that first game with the Jets than Mims did at any point. In the oh, Jets. clearly. Like, <laughs> so, like, but also, like, if you're going to be, a, let's just say you're another team, because I did see. Uh, some rumors floating around out there that New England and Pittsburgh are kind of putting out feelers for Mims. Let's say you're Mike Tomlin. You could probably sell yourself on, all right, he's big, he's fast. In college, he had good hands. Maybe just going to New York out of being like a smaller town Texas guy 
and then going from there to Waco to New York. Like maybe that didn't really gel with him. I don't really know. That could be it, but some team's going to take another chance on, on Denzel Mims. It's just, th- I think the thing too, that I also learned about him for the last couple of years, I think the speed, it, it looked more like hundred meter speed. I think where if you just ask Denzel Mims to like run in a straight line, he'd be pretty fast and he'd probably beat, you know, 80% of the guys on the jets when you need him to, get open against NFL-level defensive backs, NFL-level corners, he couldn't really do it. Completely agreed with that. He had 4.38 speed at the like, at the combine, but on tape, he doesn't look that fast. And in the NFL, he doesn't look that fast either. He's He's got like that, like you said, that Robbie Anderson straight line speed. But when you're asking him to, you know, uh, you know, get a, get a good release off or get separation, it's a little harder for him. And again, just I think so much of it was a mental thing. And I, I absolutely think that there's definitely something to the fact that he very quickly fell out of favor with the Jets coaching staff, and that definitely hurt his psyche. Like, that absolutely hurt his psyche, and that's why I think he just needs a fresh start. And like you said, I think he will get that fresh start, whether it's a team claiming off waivers, whether it's a team throwing a conditional seventh-round pick out there because what do you have to lose if it's conditional, you know? Uh, I do think that some team will give him that, give him another shot. He is very talented. We know that about Denzel Mims. He has all the physical talent to be an NFL wide receiver, to be a, a very good NFL player. It's just about putting it all together. And unfortunately, you know, I mean, he's not necessarily old, but the time was ticking with the Jets because he is entering the last year of his rookie contract. And if he was only going to be wide receiver six, and on top of that, they don't trust him to play special teams, which that's a huge thing. Uh, if he could play special teams, he would still be on the Jets roster right now. If he, if the Jets trust him to play special teams, unfortunately. He'd be an amazing gunner with that size and Jets. Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, I don't, I mean, look, we're not in practice every day. We don't get to see the guy playing special teams. But clearly the Jets, Brant Boyer, don't they don't trust them to play special teams. Uh, and that if that's the case with other teams as well, that is going to hurt his chances of sticking around with any other NFL team. So I think they just need to it as well. Two comments I want to get to in chat, one of which is kind of funny from Brian Sternbeck. I'm not, look, I'm not 100% sure if this is verified, but it sounds like it's probably true. The Jets haven't had a second-round pick made the Pro Bowl since Mark Gastineau. It might be true. That I might be. I think so. Maybe there's one other guy who got one in like 1998 or something like that, but that I'm, might be true. Which... I'm looking right now. Yeah, Dave, David Harris never made a Pro Bowl. David Harris never made a Pro Bowl? No, I don't think he did. Yeah. Wow, okay. He Pro Bowl. Marcus May didn't. Uh, yeah, I think that that's true. I think that that is true, which is – that's crazy. And then Yemi is back uh, with more Denzel Mims talk, saying he did his rookie year. He had speed, and he displayed it. Uh, he did. I mean, the rookie year, honestly, I thought was pretty good considering the circumstances. I mean, bad quarterbacks, Adam Gase, team that was trying to lose to get Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I mean, the numbers don't blow you away. 23 catches for 357 yards, but that was in nine games, and he had pretty much 40 yards a game. So, like, obviously the potential is there. But also, like, these Jets teams, even though we had a fun run for last year, these were not good Jets teams, especially offensively in the last two years. And just my take on it is that Robert Sala is not so stuck in his ways as a coach or so suicidal as a coach that he would see Denzel Mims as one of his best receiving options and then not put him out there because maybe he didn't like the guy or he didn't think he'd be a good fit. I feel like if Denzel Mims was showing enough, he would have been out there over guys like Jeff Smith, who got playing time over Denzel Mims. So it's a shame it had to end like this. I like Denzel Mims in college. I think he'll probably latch on. I think one more team will probably give him a shot at some point. And then, but I just, there was no way that he was ever going to be like a pro bowl or even a starter with the New York Jets. So I think, I think a big issue with Mims and that really the entire 2020 draft class is that, 
that draft class was drafted for a different coaching staff. I right. think that ultimately is what it comes down to. And it's not a surprise at all that very few of those guys, really none of them have carved out actual roles with the team long-term because of that. I mean, obviously, Mekhi Becton, it's not like necessarily a coaching staff thing per se. It's been more so injuries, although there have been some, you know, some, some, I guess, disagreements with the coaching staff. Uh, but it definitely was the case with Denzel Mims. And we've seen that with a lot of guys in that in that draft class. They were drafted for an Adam Gase coaching staff, unfortunately. They weren't drafted for a Robert Sala coaching staff. So when Sala's staff came in in 2021, they had no allegiance to those allegiance to those 2020 guys. And Mims, I think, is the perfect example of that, where Mims kind of came into that spring, I think, expecting to be a starter, right? And this is, I'm not, this is not me blaming Denzel Mims' like mentality or anything. But I think, rightfully so, he came into that spring expecting to be a starter and then quickly realized that, oh, this, no, this coaching staff has no ties to me. In fact, they went out and signed Keelan Cole. They drafted Elijah Moore. Those are their guys that they handpicked, right? So they might get preferential treatment or they might get first crack at, at certain roles. And unfortunately, he had the food poisoning. I mean, the dude lost, I believe he's on record, he said he lost 20 pounds. That summer. Oh, what, uh, hell, what did he eat? I want to know. Salmon. It was bad salmon. He bad ate salmon. Oh, he, he needs to come at my salmon. I legitimately have multiple salmon recipes that will it will it'll satisfy him. And you know what? It won't it won't give him a debilitating disease that'll impact his football career. But honestly, that doesn't that's what me. he missed. I feel like anybody named Luciano has to make good salmon. That that makes sense to me. Yeah, you'd think so, but let me let's look around the family. I don't know. I put my salmon up against anybody. So fair enough. But yeah, that it sucks because I I think he came into that spring and and unfortunately was already behind the eight ball because it was a new coaching staff that didn't pick him. Then he had the food poisoning and that was really the beginning of the end for him. So it's a shame. I do hope he gets another chance. I do think he will. Hopefully not with the Patriots. I, I'd rather him go. Let him go to the NFC. I saw the Cowboys might be interested in him. That'd be great. Send him to Dallas. I, I feel like that's just because he's a Texas guy and the Texas guys want sure. him. Sure. Sure. Send him to Dallas. Hey, it would, you know, it's not the first Jets player that has requested a trade that has uh, Cowboys rumors. So, you know. Yeah. Now, one guy that the Jets did draft and develop and retain long term, finally, after a month of consternation, Quinnen Williams signs a four year deal worth just under $100 million making him, I believe, if you take Aaron Donald out of it, because, again, Aaron Donald is a singular figure, the highest-paid defensive tackle in the league. He got more money than Jeffrey Simmons, really good with the Titans, got more money than he got, and then Deron Payne in Washington. Quinton Williams got more money than both of them, and a lot of it guaranteed, too. Shout-out Nicole Lynch. He's been really good with getting a lot of guarantees up front, which NFL contracts should be fully guaranteed anyway. That's just the thing I've been on. She's had a hell of an offseason, dude. Jalen Hurts, Quinn Williams, she had a kid. Like, she's (laughs) killing She's killing it. (laughs) Gee, that is – talk about multitasking. Yeah. (laughs) So this was a move that we had talked about for weeks and weeks and weeks of – it was going to get done, but it was a lot – it reminded me of the Aaron Rodgers thing where – even though it became very clear it was going to get done, just the months and the months are going on and on, and there's no deal. Like these invasive thoughts start creeping into the back of your mind. I'm like, is it going to get done? Because it, seemingly, if both parties want to be here, why isn't it getting done? Kind of thing. But the Jets finally, finally get Quinn and Williams locked up. This is a guy who just had as good a year as any defensive tackle in the league last year. And you know what? The Jets are thinking that he's going to sustain that production because a lot of deals, a lot of ways they're structured down in the NFL, especially shorter deals I've noticed, is they get a lot of the money up front in the first year, which I kind of like because you're protecting yourself against injury. You're like, all right, no matter what happens, at least I got this amount of money from the contract first. Quinnen did not do that. His cap hits 
do go up uh, with every other year. So he's going to play for just a $6 million cap hit uh, this year. That scales to $20.4 million uh, in 2024, and then $21.6, 26.6, and 30.4. So they are anticipating that the market's going to go up for defensive tackles. And I think one thing that Nicole Lindner is really good by spiking it in those next two years, I feel like that kind of guards against him doing another sort of holdout to renegotiate kind of thing. I think they kind of said, look, we're pro- another defensive tackle is going to get signed soon and probably for more money than this. At least if we put this amount of money in in the last two years, that way Quinn is not going to be like, well, I, why am I the eighth highest paid defensive tackle all of a sudden? It guards against that. So I'm thrilled for Quinn happy he got his money, but I'm also happy because the Jets got their guy locked down. And we can mock Mike McCagnin all we want, but I mean, this, sometimes he made some good picks and this was a good pick. Yeah, I think this is the perfect example of a true win-win for both sides. Quinn Williams got exactly what he wanted, pretty much. He wanted the the the, the four-year contract instead of the five years. He got that. He wanted that shorter-term deal. He wanted the chance to, to hit free agency again in his prime. He's going to get that opportunity. So that was huge. He got exactly what he wanted there. He also got the, the highest contract or the largest contract in Jets history. He got to become the second-highest-paid defensive tackle in the NFL behind Aaron Donald in terms of average annual value and total guarantees. Also, by the way, he did technically surpass Aaron Donald's total value. Well, Donald of, got three years, right? Yeah, because yeah. Donald got three yeah. years. So Quinnen was four years, 96. Donald was three years, 95. So by one year, Quinnen is more. Aaron Donald's so good. I know, he's insane. Uh, but uh, I, I've looked it up too. It's not even the highest paid, the highest defensive tackle contract in terms of total, total value in NFL history. I believe that is still Albert Hainsworth. Albert Hainsworth. He got $100 million uh, over. Uh, Albert Hainsworth was just great. I mean, not only, I mean, he had some issues off the field that played into that, but when he couldn't do the conditioning sprints and for Redskins practice, hey, Albert, can you run from there to there? Nah, man. Nah, I, I can't right. do that. <laughs> that, is, that was the the Tremaine Johnson before Tremaine Johnson's of, of free even worse than Tremaine Johnson's <laughs> free agent signings. It's, it's just it's like a campfire. Even in other sports, you don't want that to be the Albert Hainsworth contract. Like nope. it's it's that bad. Yeah, but yeah, Adrian I think Quinnen is not Albert Hainsworth. No, and I don't think he will. But and I know I've seen people be like, oh, it's you know it's the Muhammad Wilkerson because he's the first Jets player. Which this is another crazy stat: the first Jets first round pick to sign a multi-year extension since, or to sign any extension, I believe, since Muhammad Wilkerson. They've only extended two guys that they've drafted since then, Brian Winters and Quincy Anunma, I think. Did it's Sheldon Richardson get extended and traded? Or? No, he didn't get extended. He, didn't, no. he just got traded? Got traded. It's In terms of multi-year extensions, because you know they brought back Nathan Shepard or whatever, but like multi-year extensions, I believe before Quinnen, it's just Brian Winters and Quincy Anunma, and Anunma played one game on that extension, I believe. Uh, so... It has not been not been a, a positive history in terms of recent draft successes for the Jets. Uh, that's you know, that's a fault of the you know the the entire Jets organization over the years. Um, but yeah, I think it's a true win win for the Jets. Honestly, there's not even a ton to say. The Jets locked up maybe their best player, one of the best defensive players in the NFL for the foreseeable future on a very reasonable contract. It is it is, an, it is a reasonable contract. It's kind of what we thought it would be. It is. Know? He deserves to be the second highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL. That's what he got. He wanted the four years. He got it. Sure, that's good for him. I'm glad he got that. It's a good deal all around. It's a good day for the Jets because we finally get to celebrate a star player that was drafted and developed by the team get extended. And that's a rare thing with the Jets. So I'm glad we get to celebrate that. I mean, you literally have to go back like 10 years sometimes. And then, yep. like, I mean, some some teams, some franchises 
will extend like one guy from every draft class. That's how good they do. The yeah. Jets have like a handful in 10 years. Like it almost, yeah. you got to kind of wrap your mind Less around that. Less than three. They've had two. They've had two since the 2012 draft class because Wilkerson was 2011, right? So they've right. had two since Wilkerson, which is, right. and neither was a first round pick. Both were, both were, uh, were mid round picks. Or what was a late round pick? What was the sixth round pick? And, I, and I've brought this up before though with the Stephen Hill thing, but like think how many Jets picks get picked and then don't sign after that. Like remember Calvin Pryor? Yep. Like he leaves the Jets. That's it. D. Milliner. Like there's a lot. That's it's an even man. more damning indictment. Is nobody those are both first round picks? Those are both first round picks. Exactly. <laughs> God, D. Milliner. Hey, at least this at least this Bama guy worked out better than worked out better than the other one. So say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Moving on to our next segment, because it is time to look at training camp officially. Mm-hmm. We're looking at training camp, and we are looking at some of the bigger positional battles that are going on. Because this is where you know iron sharpens iron. This is where all these oh, little mini battles. Hunter Hughes is going to come for you because you just said iron, iron sharpens iron. iron. Oh, is that is that a, a running gag I'm missing? That, yeah, that's that's that? like his uh, his big thing. He hates that. Oh, he hates that. That's a pretty mm-hmm. common saying. I don't know, but. Why is iron not sharp and iron in real life? It's overused. That's what it is. It's overused. Oh, it's overused. Okay. Well, you, you the other day said this isn't the end, it's the beginning. So Man, I look, I love cliches because if cliches, <laughs> if cliches are cliche because they're true most of the time, that's why they're cliche. All right. Here's I, a cliche. Here's a cliche. There's going to be some positional battles at Jets training camp. One of which I actually have my eye on because there's a lot of uncertainty surrounding the wide receiver room and how it's really gonna shake out because i mean think the only real evident truth there is that the number one guy is going to be garrett wilson Mm. now i think the number two guy is going to be alan lazard but with Corey davis around i personally i would have cut Corey davis and i like Corey davis as a player he just owed a lot of money i felt like that money could have been allocated to a couple better sources for lack of a better word i just even his ceiling like what he was with the titans like i don't know if that's honestly worth the price tag that they gave him but Corey Davis is still around. The coaching staff loves him. Otherwise, they wouldn't have kept him for that price. So that, that to me, thinks that he's going to have some sort of role. I don't know what it is, but something. 
Obviously, you got Miko Harbin in there too. Who I, I'm honestly higher on Miko Harbin than everybody else, and I'll happily be fine with with Miko Harbin being higher on Miko Harbin than everybody else. I thought that he was banged up a lot in Kansas City. Like obviously, Patrick Mahomes is going to inflate your numbers, but the speed is very real. I thought they could have used him in a little bit of a better way. Not to say Andy Reid doesn't know what he's doing. That is far from the truth. I just thought that Miko Harbin kind of got shortchanged a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him maybe start the year as the number three receiver. Because I think he's just that dynamic. I think Nathaniel Hackett's going to have a boatload of fun trying to score a tugalicious, as he refers to them, as a grown man refers to him as, <laughs> with, with Miko Harmon. And you know what? Randall Cobb is going to be a backup who gets maybe 200 yards this year. He's just there like a veteran presence. But you know what? Aaron Rodgers has a lot of say. Aaron Rodgers knows Randall Cobb. He trusts Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb knows this offense. Is there an outside shot that he could just lean on that familiarity and that's what gets Randall Cobb? maybe some extra snaps than he would have elsewhere. I would not be surprised one bit. So we know Wilson's going to be the top guy. I'm just really interested to see how the rest of it shakes out. Yeah, we'll get to a couple of comments here that actually really relate to what you said. One thing that was commented a few minutes ago, but it totally relates to what you just said right now, uh, which is about Corey Davis. It was David Brill on YouTube said, should the Jets have signed DeAndre Hopkins for $12 million and cut Corey Davis, making uh, he's yeah, he's making around eleven million this year. Basically, they would have saved ten and ten and a half million dollars by cutting Corey Davis. Essentially, getting DeAndre Hopkins if they paid what the what the Titans paid for about one and a half million dollars, and you know, if, in net if you're looking at it that way. Of course, it was a two year deal for Hopkins, but still, uh, I mean, we've talked about this a lot on the show. We don't have to go into grave detail about this, but yeah, I mean, yes, they should have done that. Uh, the Jets pretty much immediately ruled it out that they weren't going to do that. Uh, I, you know, who knows what it was. It could have been a personality fit, a culture fit, whatever it was. Maybe they think he's declining more than he has. Uh, it does seem as though some NFL teams weren't as high on DeAndre Hopkins as maybe we were, and maybe other people were. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been very vocal about the fact that, and I like Corey Davis as well, by the way, I've also been vocal on the show saying that I think Corey Davis might be the second best wide receiver on this team still. Uh, but I think that, yeah, absolutely. Given his contract, yes, the Jets could have had a lot better value in someone like DeAndre Hopkins, but it was never realistic. The Jets ruled it, ruled it out pretty quickly. Uh, I think him going to the Titans is, you know, given that the Jets weren't going to sign him, a best case scenario because he didn't go to the Bills, he didn't go to the Patriots, he didn't go to the Chiefs. He went to a team that is hopefully and likely not going to do a ton of damage in the AFC, and that is the Titans. Uh, and then the second thing, which this also relates to Corey Davis, from Brian uh, in YouTube on YouTube said they still might redo Corey Davis's contract. Absolutely, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they kind of restructure it. Uh, obviously, doing so would you know potentially add a void year, maybe add you know push some some money into next year, or maybe they do a whole Jamison Crowder thing where they're like, hey, you got to take a pay cut, right? Something like that to stay on the team. Uh, they could do both of those. They could go both of those routes. Uh, but either way, I, I agree with you. It's a very interesting um situation like the whole the whole wide receiver room because you know they legit have four and if you want to include randall cobb five legit pretty good wide receivers like i'm not super high on alan lazard but he's a fine player he's a starting caliber wide receiver obviously garrett wilson's a star it will be really interesting to see how that whole room shapes out and i wouldn't be surprised at all like you said if Nicole hardman ends up getting a little bit more playing time and a little more snaps than people kind of realize the position battle that i think is the most interesting to me the most fascinating is right tackle. I think that is by far the, the position battle that I'm paying the most attention to this summer to see how it kind of develops. Obviously, the assumption right now is that Dwayne Brown, if he's healthy, is your starting left tackle. The Jets may, you know, publicly be saying there's a competition that, you know, Mekhi Becton technically has a shot. If Brown is healthy, he's going to be the left tackle. I'd be pretty stunned if that wasn't the case. 
and so, you know, you have that at left tackle, which means that Mekhi Becton is probably going to have to compete for a job at right tackle, which he's been very vocal about in the past, including this offseason, that he's not a fan of that. He has tweeted out saying, I am a left tackle. He has partially blamed his injury last season on the fact that he was playing right tackle. Uh, and, you know, you can put as much credence, you can lend as much credence to that as you want. You can put as much stock in it as you will. Uh, unfortunately for Becton, it does seem as though he's going to have to compete for the right tackle job. And I don't think he's going to be handed anything. And I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, right now, if I was predicting, I would not predict that Mekhi Becton starts week one. I think that Billy Turner would be winning the right the right Whoa. tackle. That's my prediction. That's a bold one. Maybe it is. I don't know. But I think, again, I think it comes down to a coaching staff thing where, you know, I, I even, and this is obviously you have to factor in, can Mekhi Becton stay healthy? I really hope he does. He's gotten himself into phenomenal shape this offseason. I am so pulling for this dude to be good. Not only for the Jets' sake, because – I, I think he's the most talented offensive lineman on a team, like legitimately. And I've just said in that. terms of raw, like physicality. Of, yeah, it's just what his ceiling could be. He can be a top five left tackle in the NFL. We knew that since he was drafted. I, I fully believe that. He just got to stay. He has to stay healthy, right? So in terms of like, I want him to be good for the Jets' sake, but I want him to be good for his sake because I'm really pulling for the dude because he's had a really rough couple of years. I mean, the guy's had back-to-back -back, uh, season-ending knee injuries. That sucks. It's threatened to derail his entire career. So I'm really pulling for him but I just don't know if he's going to be the, the week one starting right tackle because I'm not sure how comfortable he's going to be there. I'm not sure how much the Jets coaching staff is going to love him at that spot. And also at the same time, with, you know, Billy Turner has spent more time with Nathaniel Hackett than anybody else, uh, I believe, in the NFL over the last four years because he was with them for three years in Green Bay and then he followed him to Denver. So he's been with him the last four years, now make it five with the Jets. So there's a lot of experience there. There's a lot of history between Hackett and Turner. Turner's a below average starting tackle. He's a bottom tier starting tackle if he's your starting right tackle. But well, he that's doesn't. quite the indictment of Makai Becton if a bottom tier right tackle beats him out. I think I think it's a situation where the Jets coaching staff, specifically Nathaniel Hackett, might be higher on Billy Turner than they should be because they really like Billy Turner. And I also think they might be lower on Makai Becton than they should be because maybe they're not super. I, I mean, I'm just speculating at this point, but I think that that relationship has soured a little bit. Um, I'm really pulling for myself to be wrong. I do not want to see Billy Turner starting week one right tackle. I'd rather see Max Mitchell if that was the case, because uh, he's also in that competition. It's really it's going to be a three three man competition on paper between Becton, uh, Billy Turner, and Max Mitchell. It's er too early to say now. Honestly, we'll have a better idea in a couple of days. So maybe this is going to age poorly. I mean, if Mackay Becton is is healthy and actually participating in training camp and getting all the first team reps at right tackle, I'm gonna look like an. Well, actually, he's probably gonna be playing left tackle because I'm not sure Dwayne Brown's gonna be ready yet. Um, but either way, you know, I might, maybe I'll look like an idiot soon, but I think we'll have a better idea of how that position group is going to shape out in the coming weeks, but it's definitely the most interesting one to me, because I think it's super important one for the jets to know who's starting at right tackle, especially with a, you know, 40 year old Dwayne Brown at left tackle, who's coming off a major injury. Uh, I think it's also, it's important, but also it's just super interesting to see what the jets are going to do with Mekhi Becton. You have a guy like Billy Turner who has the, the experience and the history with Hackett, and then somebody like a dark horse like Max Mitchell, who, hey, he showed some promise as a rookie. I wouldn't be surprised, and I, I would like to see more of him this season. Uh, I think it's just a really fascinating position battle. So that's the one I'm, I'm paying most attention to. I'm really watching the defensive line, too. That's going to have my attention the entire time because we have two in-stone, immutable truths about the Jets' defensive line this year. Number one, they're going to rotate the hell out of everybody. Robert Sala wants everybody to eat. He'd rather put in a guy for 30% of snaps, then have one guy play 90 and have take plays off and have dead legs. Like that's just what he's going to do. That's what he is. He's never going to bend on that. So get used to it. That's truth. Number one, truth. Number two, Will McDonald is going to get on the field at some point. 
They drafted Will McDonald because they think that he is a double-digit sack guy consistently, and they think he's going to be a cornerstone of what they do defensively. Now, the problem, again, is because of drafting McDonald, you also have to give Jermaine Johnson snaps, and you got to give Carl Lawson snaps. To say nothing even of Bryce Huff, what we discussed before. Those two are going to dominate. So I wonder where it comes from. Do they just kind of slowly wean off Lawson, and every single week they end up giving McDonald a bigger load? Is Jermaine Johnson, everybody's saying Jermaine Johnson has really come in locked and loaded for training camp, and they all think he's really going to have a breakout year. But, you know, I like the guy. I think he'll be good, but, you know, believe it when I see it kind of thing. I hope he does, but I need to see it. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Maybe John Franklin Myers moves inside more. Maybe they completely ditch Bryce Huff. Like, there's 10 different directions. There's 10 different universes if we want to do the multiverse Spider-Man branching Mm -hmm. Uh, analogy there's 10 different ones that i could just see happening right now depending on how far along will mcdonald is how how they want to use will mcdonald how jermaine johnson comes along i don't feel like anybody is really going to be able to predict accurately what's going to happen with defensive lines i don't even think robert sala knows right now yeah and that's why we have training camp that's why we have the preseason to hopefully figure that stuff out i think a lot of it might just come down to like injuries right i think if everything is healthy if every player on that defensive line is healthy I don't think the defensive line looks a ton like looks super different than it was last year. Basically, you got Quentin Jefferson replacing that Sheldon Rankins role. You got Al Woods replacing Nathan she- uh, Nathan Shepard. You got Will McDonald placing, replacing Bryce Huff, and then I think everything else is pretty much the same. That's how I would imagine it shakes out if everyone is healthy, which is very unlikely to happen. You know, injuries that happen. It's the NFL. Um, I it is it's going to be really fascinating to see what they do with Bryce Huff because you know we talked about it a ton on the show. I love Bryce Huff. I think he's a great player but I just don't think there's any role for him on the team right now. The Jets will have their asking price for him. They're not going to just give him away. It's going to be the same thing with Mims last year, where, uh, I mean, I hope that they're not asking for like a second round pick for Mims because if they're asking or, or for, for Huff, because if they're asking for a fourth round pick for Mims last year. I don't know what they're asking for Huff right now, uh, but I, I still wouldn't be surprised if he's traded just because I don't see a role for him, but it is going to be really interesting to see how, how all of that shakes out. I'm looking, I think, because, I want to like, I mean, I want to talk about center, right? But I feel like there's not a ton to talk about there. It's going to be Conor McGovern or it's going to be Joe Tippin, right? Like one of those, I mean, Wes Schweitzer is, he's in the mix technically. He's getting, he got like some first team reps in in, during OTAs, but he's not starting at center week one. If he does, Jets fans will be very upset about that. Uh, Spencer Long 2.0 because another Washington guy. Oh God, no, he's, he is, he's your Dan Feeney replacement. If he's anything other than that, then that's at least if this guy could snap the ball, he's an improvement over. True. Spencer Long, a center who couldn't snap the ball. That's God, true. the Jets made me mad back then. <laughs> Those were the days, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't think there's a ton to discuss there. The Jets obviously want Joe Tipman to win a job. If he's ready, they're going to start him. Uh, I think Connor McGovern is underrated by some Jets fans. Maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, but And he's, he's graded out as a top 10 center by Pro Football Focus over the last two years. Take that for what it's worth. Uh, but I think he's a fine player. I think he's a starting caliber center for sure. But they drafted Joe Tippman to be their long-term starter. They only signed Connor McGovern to a one-year, $1.9 million contract. They will not hesitate to start Tippman if they think he's ready. But I don't think that's a super interesting position battle to me. So I want to talk about running back because I think that is a little more interesting to me. Um, and a lot of this obviously changes if they sign Dalvin Cook. If they sign Dalvin Cook, he's probably your RB2, you know, unquestioned behind Brees Hall. I don't think there's really much of a competition there. But assuming they don't sign Cook, which right now it does appear as though 
the Jets don't want to re- reach his his you know asking price or whatever. Maybe they come up. Maybe Cook comes down. Maybe they end up they end up signing him. I don't know. Maybe they sign him tomorrow. And again, this looks stupid. Uh, but right now, I don't know if they're going to sign him. So let's just assume he's not on the team. That means you got Michael Carter, you got Zonovan Knight, you got Israel Vanakanda. Those are your three running backs that are fighting for that running back two spot behind Brees Hall, which is a very important spot considering that Brees Hall is still working his way back from a torn ACL. All indications are that he will be ready for week one. I expect him to be on the field week one, barring a setback, but he's not going to be given a full workload early on. We know that. He's not going to be you know, given 20 carries a game. The Jets aren't going to be doing that with him. So whoever is supplementing him, whoever is complimenting him in the backfield, whether it's Carter, Knight, Abanacanda, or a mixture of the three, that's going to be really important. I'd say Carter has the edge right now just because he kind of is the incumbent in that role, but he is coming off a disappointing 2022 season. Uh, Knight had his flashes early on uh, when he was first given an opportunity, but he kind of tapered off as well. I'm really excited to see Abanacanda. I think he's a very exciting prospect. I think he could be really good. Um, I'm not sure he's going to be given the opportunity to win that job immediately, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if as the season progresses, he gets more and more snaps and maybe does become RB2. But that kind of like three-way battle, that's I'm, I'm paying a lot of attention at this this, this summer. Well, you, you said I don't think they're going to give Hall a full workload because of the injury. They might not give him a full workload ever. That's just not how Nathaniel Hackett works. Every single stop he's been at, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Obviously, Green Bay was the most obvious because he had probably the best combination of backs with Aaron Jones and uh, and A.J. Dillon. But Daniel Hackett loves his running backs. He's going to split carries. He's going to have pretty a pretty evenly shared workload. I think Aaron Jones is much better than A.J. Dillon. Nathaniel Hackett said, I don't care. You guys are getting the same amount of carries. So this death, this depth race is extremely important with, with Hall being healthy or not, with Cook coming in or not. So... That'll be interesting to watch. I just think that it'll take a lot in training. Even though I'm not a big fan of Carter, it'll take a lot to unseat a guy like Michael Carter, I think, in the uh, in the RB2 role. So as we move on to our final segment, for that, Justin, you have a uh, little word from our friends at DraftKings, don't you? That I do. Another word from DraftKings. Hey, JetPress listeners, have you guys signed up for DraftKings yet? If you're a user, you can receive $150 in bonus bets instantly after following just three steps. Create an account, deposit, and then wager $5 on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive the $150 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code FSBETS. That's F-S-B-E-T-S. When you sign up, the best part is using our code FSBETS. Not only gives you the bonus, but it also supports the podcast. You know, help us out. Uh, if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, definitely use our code FSBETS. That's F-S-B-E-T-S to maximize your first bets. Uh, this offer is available for new customers who are 21 and over and physically present in legally gambling uh, legally gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the yeah, check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. That was fun. I enjoyed doing it. When you guys go to Apple and give us our five-star review or Spotify or whatever, put in the comments who had the better ad read. So it really doesn't matter what you say in the reviews. It's just to drive us up the Apple charts. Yeah. So. I would, I would, that in your review. That would be, be, you know, be kind. That was my first promo read. That was fun. I enjoyed that. Bringing me back to the college radio days, man, doing, doing stuff like that. So let's get into our big finale for this week. And we're all going to we're gonna talk about players that we have bones to pick with. Guys that we think maybe get a little too much shine. And guys that maybe need to redirect some of that shine over to them. Like when I, when I think overrated, and this is going to sound weird coming off the, the accolades that he just got last year and his status within the league. And this is not to say he's really a bad player by any stretch, but 
I remember when the All Pros came out, and I saw C.J. Mosley on Second Team All Pro. I said for a second, "Hold on a minute." Now I knew, I knew exactly where you were going with that. Because C.J. Mosley, I I still don't think he's kind of the guy he was in Baltimore. Where with the Ravens, I mean, C.J. Mosley, you can make a case for like a three or four year period. He was like one of the three best linebackers in football. I mean, he was just hoovering up tackles. Uh, he's uh, he's very good. Let me say that right now. C.J. Mosley is a very good starting linebacker. I think that he's maybe lost a little bit of a step, especially in the passing game. I don't think he's quite as fleet of foot as he was before. And again, he's he's going to be 31 this year, and he had severe injuries in the past. Like that's not any fault of CJ Mosley, but uh, I think the only reason I'm saying that is because I think the Jets maybe looked at their linebacker room and they said, you know what, let's maybe not use a high draft pick there. Let's maybe not go sign Quan Alexander because. We got C.J. Mosley, and then we brought Quincy Williams back. Now, that's serviceable for what it is. I just hope that the Jets don't look at a C.J. Mosley-led linebacker room and some of the death pieces that they have and say, oh, we'll be fine because Mosley can kind of fill in the gaps. He's really good at a role that you give him now. I just don't think he's like he was with the Ravens where it, he's in that tier where he can just by himself just take care of a running a linebacker room and you'd be fine. I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I was also surprised when he earned those those second team All Pro honors, and I think a lot of it is just reputation based with him. People, he's obviously he's he in gets deep. tackles too, and a lot of people look at tackles. tackles. And he was a good a good good linebacker for a really good defense. That absolutely helps. Uh, I mean, the dude made I believe a Pro Bowl in his first five seasons, like each of his first five seasons, which is four of the first five. Four yeah. of the first five. Either way, that's that's crazy. Like that's an incredible start to a career. Uh, obviously, he kind of had that rough patch in the middle with the Jets, where he had the COVID year, he had the injury. Uh, that that kind of took its toll. But I think he's he's definitely turned around his reputation with the Jets. He's the leader of that defense. He is one of the more important players on that defense and probably on the roster. But do I think he's a top four linebacker, five linebacker in the NFL? Like, you know, the all pro teams would indicate. No, I, I don't think he is. So I absolutely agree with you. I think he deserves that, that that title of being a little overrated. Still a good player and very important player, but probably a little overrated. You might know where I'm going with this next one. I've talked about him a lot as I think being overrated. Uh, it's Alan Lazard, you know, and this is again. When we're saying a guy's overrated, that doesn't mean they're bad. That doesn't mean that everything they do is bad. Because I think Alan Rollins absolutely has a role in this Jets team. I think he's a quality NFL wide receiver. But the Jets are paying him to be their wide receiver too. And I don't think he's the second best wide receiver on the roster. I'm not even positive he's the third best wide receiver. I think he's okay, around. a little harsh. I don't know about that. I mean, I think he's around the same tier as B. Cole Hardman to me. And, and honestly, a very similar tier to Corey Davis. I think those you know, second, third, and fourth Jets receivers are all very similar in terms of caliber to me in terms of their talent level uh i would probably lean towards Corey davis being wide receiver too which probably makes him underrated because i don't think most jets fans would say that um but i i think that lazard is just he's a bit overhyped i don't know if jets fans know exactly the player they're getting he had a lot of drop issues in in green bay a lot of drop issues he had six drops last year he had five drops in just 10 games in 2020 he has had significant drop issues over the course of his career he put up less than 800 yards as Green Bay's essentially wide receiver one last year with Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Uh, I just, he struggles to, to separate. He struggles with route running. He's a very good physical, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, jump ball. I guess he could be a jump ball receiver. He's a very straight good line, Straight line, he's fast. With straight line speed as well. He's basically almost like if Denzel Mims uh, succeeded in the NFL. This is what he was supposed to be with Alan Lazard. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think Mims could have been even better than Lazard. And I think Lazard could be even better than he is now. I'm just saying what he is currently. And I think he's a streaky, inconsistent player who 
is a starting caliber wide receiver, but is a low end wide receiver two at best. I'd say he's more of a high end wide receiver three. Um, and I think the Jets are kind of paying him and expecting him to be that wide receiver two. Maybe it's because of Hackett. Maybe it's because of Rodgers, whatever you want to say. I really thought when the Jets signed him that he was going to be that Corey, Corey Davis replacement. And it's just, he isn't because Davis is still on the roster. Um, but if he is their solidified, definite wide receiver two, I think it's a weak spot for the Jets. Um, so I, I don't think that Alan Lazard is a bad player, but I think he's definitely a bit overrated by fans. And it seems like the coaching staff as well. I think that might be the Jackson Smith and Jigba fan talking because that was your I wanted it, man. I want it. I still look, I hope Will McDonald absolutely kills it. And maybe that dude is going to be amazing. I still want to draft the Jackson Smith and Jigba, but hey, man, what do I know? I'm an idiot. I don't know anything. In terms of a guy who I think is underrated, which is also surprising given kind of what he's done in the NFL and his career as a whole. Like when you look at the Jets and then you look at Dwayne Brown at left tackle, like when you consider that he's 36, like I don't think it's unreasonable to say Dwayne Brown might be a Hall of Famer. I don't know if he's there yet. I think he's, he, mm. I mean, he's very close. It's obviously tough because no one, like, I feel like a lot of media voters don't really know how to evaluate offensive line play. So, like, mm. if one guy gets, you know, a couple Pro Bowl nods in a row, they just keep voting for him because they just assume he's good. But I mean, sometimes guys are just good. Like, Joe Thomas was in the Pro Bowl every year because he was amazing. Yeah. Like, like, it's not like that for everybody, but. I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne is one of those guys because he wasn't like a big New York market That's media guy to steal Dante Samuel's thing. It definitely I mean, hurt him. played a lot of his career in Houston. I was yeah, going to say Houston that. and then Seattle. I know Seattle was good, but I mean, that was like post-Legion of Boom, so it wasn't really championship contending Seattle. And then, I mean, he's going to be 38 this year. He's going to turn 38 in August. And the Jets, this is what is really telling to me about Dwayne Brown. They had so much confidence in him. They looked at all the great offensive line prospect or tackle prospects that were going to go in like the first two days of the draft. They looked at all the free agents out there and they said, nah, we're keeping Dwayne Brown. Like that should, that should speak to something because even though he was banged up and played hurt last year, I think it'd be hard to look at Dwayne Brown's season and say anything other than, you know, it was pretty good, which for a guy, his age, that's incredibly rare. I know there's always like a, like a Jackie Slater or an Andrew Whitworth who played till they're 40, but there aren't that many 38-year-old tackles playing at a high level out there, and Dwayne Brown is still one of them. And you could tell this team just loves him. Oh, yeah. I mean, how could you not? The dude tore his rotator cuff before the season started and played through it for basically the entire year. And it was good. <laughs> and he was all right. Yeah, he was fine. He was a starting caliber left tackle. I mean, he played – I believe it was either a report or he said it to reporters. He played at his arm and he had to, like, tuck his arm in a sling to play. Or not a sling. It was, like – in some like a brace a brace a brace that's what it was just for him to play i mean so the fact that he was able to play through that that's why the jets love him so much that's why the coaching staff loves him that's why the players love him because they respect the hell out of a guy not only who has been in the nfl for what 15 years at, at this point uh but he was who, drafted in the 26th overall in the 2008 draft that was the matt ryan draft that was matt ryan joe yeah. flacco Darren McFadden, uh, Vernon Golston for Jets fans, but could have had Dwayne Brown for the Vernon Golston, man. <laughs> you didn't have to go there. Um, but yeah, it's it's insane. It's And obviously, not only that, but the fact that at his age, he decided to not only play all of last year through his injury, when he could have just, you know, he could have just taken his money. Like, he was playing on what people thought would be a bad Jets team, right? That was the expectation going into the years that... They might have been a little bit better, but they weren't going to be contending for the playoffs or, or not definitely not for the Super Bowl. That wasn't the expectation. And he could have just taken his money. Instead, he wanted to play through it. And not only that, he's returning this year. He could have, he could have retired if he wanted to, but he wants to win. 
That's that's what he wants. And Brian and Chat said a great thing here. He said, if Dwayne Brown wins the Super Bowl this year, he's going into the Hall of Fame. Maybe. I mean, hell, I'd love to. Five Pro Bowls. He's got two All Pros, and this is going to be what his 16th year in the league. I mean, that's yeah. that's not a resume. That's something. That's Either something. way. I love the optimism. You know, I love the optimism. Hey, if, you know, when he wins the Super Bowl this year, he's going to the Hall of Fame. I hope he does. I think there's, you know, it, there's so many underrated Jets play, like players on this Jets team. And it's different degrees of underrated. I think there are players who are underrated by like the national media, right? Every team has those. Every team has your your DJ Reeves, right? I'm not going to talk about DJ Reeves because I think it's almost overstated how underrated he is. Is it crazy to say Sauce is underrated by the media? I don't even. I think he's underrated by NFL Twitter. That's. I think those are the only people that actually do that. It like it's not in actual like NFL media. It's not. I don't even know if they're being serious half the time. I think it's I just like to be funny. I think a lot of the time it's just Patrick Sertan or Tariq Woolen fanboys that are just kind of doing it. Uh, it's it's specifically Broncos and Seahawks fans that do that stuff. But I don't think I don't think so. Uh, but I, like a guy like DJ Reed, perennially underrated by the national media. But I think Jets fans know exactly how great of a player he is. Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to talk about him. There's a few guys I have. Let's, let's, let's talk about Michael Carter a second, because I don't think he gets enough praise. And I think he's just starting to get his flowers this off season. Uh, because people always talk about how great the Jets cornerback duo is of sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, but they legitimately have one of the, they have the best. And I don't want to say one of the, they have the best cornerback trio in the NFL. If you include Michael Carter a second, because he was one of the best cor- slot corners in the NFL last season. And I think, I don't think he gets enough praise for that. Uh, he's a very good player. So I, I have a few guys on my list and there's a lot of guys in that defense. You can say are underrated. Like John Franklin Myers, I think is another guy who I think even fans underrate how good he is. I know he had that, like, you know, the rough in the passer stuff last year. People are like, Oh, you know, whatever, but he's a really good player and he's super versatile. He's really important to that team. Um, and I, I know I'm throwing out two guys there, but there's, those are two guys. I'll, I'll shout out both of them. John Franklin Myers and Michael Carter second, I think are two of the most underrated unheralded players on that Jets defense. Cause everyone talks about sauce Gardner, Quinn and Williams, CJ Mosley, DJ Reed, rightfully so. But I think John Franklin Myers and Michael Carter II are kind of the glue guys, like the, the excel, excellent glue guys that hold everything together. And with that, I think we can call time on the show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it may be that you get your podcast. We are all over the podcast and interwebs on the information superhighway. We are also on YouTube at the Jet Press. That's where all the shorts and all the playbacks of the podcast videos, they are all on YouTube. You can check us out there. Make sure you subscribe and make sure you get notified whenever we go live. Justin, take us home. Of course, and TikTok. I don't know. I missed- and TikTok at the Jet Press. I would be remiss if I did not say that. I mean, we got to start getting into the habit of saying that too. Oh, yes. Also, you know, FS, FS Bets, DraftKings. You guys, you guys got that stuff. It's on the screen. It's in the description of the YouTube. You know, you guys know what to do there. Uh, but anyway, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeLuciano. You can follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Freed. Follow Jet Press at the Jet Press. You can download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast, as Mike just mentioned. Also, check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell, TikTok. All that stuff. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. I'm just happy that we're going to get to talk training camp and actual football next week. Yes, training camp is here. It's it's a great time. Thank you all for listening to the Jet Press Podcast. I've been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. See you guys next time. See you folks next week.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.